Amen. As Brent was sharing about God's love can't be measured, I also thought about the love of we have for one another and the love that we can have. Uh, we used to have a, a young man in our uh, church family who was basically had to stay at home. Uh, his mom and dad took care of him for 40-something years. His name was uh, Marty Daniel. And Marty uh, was a very loving man. And whenever you left from the visit with him, he would say, I love you from here to heaven. That's the way he said it. And so, you know, a great heart. Our text today is in Acts chapter 11. Acts 11, verse 19 and following, we're going to pick up from... Uh, Last week when we were talking about the Apostle Paul and his coming into the ministry and his long travails, you might say, of getting into a place of God's service, a lot of of learning, a lot of seeking. You know, when uh, when God calls us, he doesn't just give us a road map to the way it's all going to work out. Uh, it's, It's a step by step. Uh, the Bible is like the lamp unto our feet. And lamps in those days weren't the strong, you know, halogen, 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 holy halogen lamps that we have nowadays. It was a little candle that burnt. And it would just show you enough to get to the next step or two. And so uh, we often want a further view from God, and we, if, we, if he doesn't give us one, we'll go to planning things ourselves, and we'll find that God has his own, his own plans. Amen. Amen. And so um, we used to have, uh, on Sunday nights, uh, we used to have a Pentecostal Hispanic group that met up on the hill up here, and, and I don't know what it was about Sunday nights, but it would come through our PA system. And the main thing, we didn't understand anything they were saying, but we could tell they were having more fun than we were. That's all we could tell. And so, uh, so maybe we'll get a blessing from in that score today. Um, okay, Acts chapter 11, verse 19. And they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose after Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch preaching the word to none but to the Jews only. And some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the Greeks or the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. These were, the Grecians were Gentile people. They were not Jews. And so here they come now to these other areas bordering away from Israel, and they're beginning to start to share the gospel with Gentiles. And this is a major, it's a major breakthrough uh, in the whole Christian missionary cause. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. A hand, the hand of the Lord was with them. You know, when God's hand is with you, you see things happen that only God can do in our, in our time together. 
If, if our worship just gets to where we're sort of redundant and just depending on our own sort of, of energy to muster things up, if we don't cooperate with the Spirit of God and show some enthusiasm, enthusiasm means God in you, God in you expressing Himself. If we show what God is in us doing, then the power of God can be found. And there were people saved as a result of that. I didn't mean to get into preaching all of a sudden, but here we go. The tidings, the good news of these things, came to the ears of the church which was in Jerusalem, and they sent forth Barnabas, son of encouragement, he's known as. And he lived to that name. That he should go as far as Antioch. And when he came... And he saw the grace of God and was glad and exhorted them all, encouraged them all, that with purpose of heart they would cleave to the Lord. For he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith, and much people were added unto the Lord. Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus to seek who? Who did we leave in Tarsus last week? Saul. We later know him as Paul. But he still calls Saul at this point. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. And in these days came prophets from Jerusalem unto Antioch. And there stood up one of them named Agabus and signified by the Spirit that there would be a great dearth throughout the world, a great famine throughout the world, he declared, which came to pass in the days of Claudius Caesar. Then the disciples, every man according to his ability, determined to send relief to the brethren, the brethren down in Judea, these living down in Judea who were themselves being persecuted, These fellows in Antioch, these Christian disciples, decided they would send help, relief, money, which also they did, and they sent it to the elders by the hands of these two, Barnabas and Saul. Now look over in chapter 13, verses 1 through 3. Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers. Barnabas and Simeon was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene, and Manaen, which was uh, had been brought up with Herod, the, uh, with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. And they ministered to the Lord and fasted. And the Holy Ghost said, Separate unto me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed, they laid their hands on these two, Barnabas and Saul, and sent them away. And sent them away to this ministry now that God had called them to. And so Antioch is really what we might call the first missionary church, or one of the, it's a model anyway of a missionary church, a church of sending out, a church that is a, uh, has a passion about it. And so some of the most exciting stories in the scriptures was the spread of the gospel from this little this little group of followers of Jesus, these might be called backwater people in the Roman Empire, and, and now they are going out into the known world in, in, despite persecution and despite inexperienced leadership, and they were spreading the gospel, <clears throat> spreading the story of the gospel. And they did it, the Bible says, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Don't ever be afraid to talk about the Holy Spirit of God. 
Sometimes we, we leave that to others. We think are more spiritual minded. The Holy Spirit is at work in every Christian life. And so here's the Holy Spirit. By the power of the Spirit. Jesus said, but you will receive my power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem unto the ends of the earth. He goes on to say. And so these, these were disciples that were uh, interested in in sharing the passion of their life, not only in this city of Antioch, but also uh, throughout the whole world. And this is going on now in places in this world. In China, while we hear of still persecution in China, it's still happening. Christianity is exploding in China. It's taking across, uh, going across the, the whole country. And, and these people were, were lay people. They didn't have professional clergy. They were people who were, who were interested themselves in sharing their faith. When they started up in Antioch, they didn't have any of those disciples up there. there wasn't, they were all down in Jerusalem. They were all sort of, <clears throat> they were all sort of congregated together down in Jerusalem. And so this was a movement of people as they've just been persecuted, spreading throughout the world, sharing their faith. I'm sure I've shared this somewhere along the line, but one thing I've discovered in the ministry is that, is that a good, solid layperson, male or female, who loves the Lord and loves their church and loves to share their faith, is easily worth to that church a dozen pastors. I can tell you that. I can see it in this church. And I can see it in other and I can certainly see it in other places that I've been. In my home church and in the church that I pastored before I came here. And so don't don't forget where the power of God resides. It's his Holy Spirit in his people. In his people. I've often thought of the church, this church uh, I think of it more in uh, terms of like it's a mission outpost rather than just a, a, a permanent building here in, the, here in the community. It is a mission outpost. We are here for those who are outside of here. We are here to share the gospel with those who do not come here. And that's our purpose. So we are, I think, best described as a mission outpost. We meet here to worship and to learn, yes. But we are to go out from this place and make a difference in our, in our world, wherever it is. Many churches nowadays are having, are having real challenges now in, in maintaining. We're living in a day where, where hundreds of churches in this country are closing down every week. We're living in a county where we see we see churches, many churches that were once thriving churches, kind of going backwards. And it doesn't have to be. It's like we're all waiting on somebody to do something. And the somebodies are us. The somebodies are us. When I came here, I, I didn't... I, I really didn't know what to do to address reaching out for the Lord. Uh, I had experimented with some things in the church I was at. It was a pretty small area. 
not a lot of people in that country area. It was just door to door, just get to know people and keep on working. I can honestly say in that church, there wasn't three visitors ever come to that church I did not already know or know of in six years. That's not the case here. But that's the way it was. And so uh, it, it takes, it, it, it become upon me that you just try to make a church as healthy as you can and then let the Lord work. Um, we focused on children's ministry. That was, that was sort of my first goal. And in some ways, it's been my only goal <laughs> as far as real focus. Try to have good children's ministries. And uh, there's more to that than just the children. It's their parents. It's the parents who come, who live in the area, who live in the community, who come to this church. It's them that uh, you might say the future of the church will rest upon. So many of you have come to this church as younger, young people, or have been brought up in this church. I, was, I thought when I carried around this baby uh, the other day, and you know that might be the last baby I get to carry around here. Uh, but lots of young people. Um, unless somebody has one quickly. <laughs> I remember uh, I heard somewhere that you ought to have a good nursery. And so that's where I thought we should start. And so we went down, started painting down in the children's department and all that. I was at a pastor's conference one day and uh, a minister was there from First Baptist Church Asheville. And he said, uh, if anybody wants some, we've got some cribs, some industrial, those cribs. And I uh, said, uh, we got a bunch of them. And said, if you'll just come and get them, we'll give them to you. Well, I rushed right back. I grabbed Herman Luther. He had a truck. And we raced right up there that very afternoon. And I said, uh, how many of these cribs can we have? He said, well, you can have all you want. Well, we figured we could get six of those cribs in that truck. And so we piled those cribs, six of those industrial cribs, into that truck. Because what we had in, in the crib section down there was we had these old painted cribs that we learned about when children nibble on the sides of those, they can get lead poisoning and stuff like that. <laughs> some of you who predate that may have some of that. I don't know. And we, we dreamed, we dreamed. I, I, I remember talking with my friend Ron Kaiser. Who Ron, read, Ron read everything. He read all the church growth stuff. He read everything. And I'll just admit to you now that, you know, I'm not much of a reader. And so I didn't read all that stuff. You can say, well, we can tell it. But what I would do was I'd get Ron to tell me what was in these books he was reading. I said, now just give me the short version, Ron. If I wanted to read the thing, I'd read it. And he'd give me the, the germane parts. And one of the things I discovered was something we could do on Wednesday nights, and that's start like a Bible club type thing for children. We'd already worked on the department down there, focused on children, preschool area, children's department, all of that. And so I began to dream about it. Well, it wasn't one of those dreams that was just going to happen. Conditions had to be right for it. And my, my, to our detriment, I'm a little slow bringing change. 
I want to make sure it happens. I don't want to just start something and not happen. So it took even a few years. Then we developed a supper program that we could have that could operate by donations. That's a big sale in churches. Most churches won't, won't go for that. And this church probably didn't want to do it either. But it allowed us to have a supper that we didn't have to make reservations for. And that people could just come. And we figured out over time, it took us a while to figure out how many people were going to come. And now, what, a hundred or so will come around every Wednesday night. Donations, and it's pretty much paying for itself, I think, right now. But it allows children to come or people to come without any kind of expectations on them to pay. And it helped the program. The whole part of this supper was to was to undergird this children's ministry. That's what it was for. That's what it is for. And so, and so that's, that's sort of the story of how that got started. And that goes long ways back. There's been different leaders of, of all of this. All of this. Some of you have been involved in it the whole, the whole train almost. You've been there all along the way. And it was a challenge. One of the challenges we had where we were stopping a couple of programs we had Plus, we were introducing programs that were going to be a little messy and a little noisy. And I knew from watching other pastors around that some of the, some of the pastors, when they tried to implement change, would try to do it perhaps too quickly. Now, I'm too slow, but some of them was perhaps a little quick. And one of the groups I really wanted to make sure that we had sold this idea to was our senior adults. And I've preached this, you know I've preached this a thousand times. You know, as senior adults, the only reason we exist is to build a bridge to the next generation. But we don't always think that way. And one of the things I asked of the senior adults was, I wasn't asking them to chase these children everywhere and do all this kind of ministry that they weren't quite ready for. You don't want Bob Conard over chasing down your children, you know. (laughs) But what I did ask of our seniors was this. You're like the gatekeepers. The comings and goings of people in and out of this church somehow flow past you. You also are good givers. And your support means a lot to our church. And so what I asked of the seniors was this, and it's big. I said, please bless this ministry. We would go into the classes and have them pray with us to bless the ministry that was beginning. And I'll tell you this, I couldn't be more proud of a group of people. Many of them are gone now. And some of us have come in behind them. But, uh, but they blessed the ministry. And many of them got involved, you know, that serving ministry down there. A lot of our seniors have been involved in that through the years. And other parts, even in the children's ministry. And so... And so, bless the work. Bless the work. Now, the early church became a missionary church. And it found what was God's plan for it. And that was to to really preach the gospel. And a church needs to see goals that are worthy of Jesus Christ. 
We're not just around here to minister to ourselves only, but to minister outside of ourselves. And, and missions is really a big part of a healthy church's existence. Well, Jack Radford was one that kept his feet to the fire about missions around here. And he kept pushing us, and he helped push me. Antioch was just a little village, but became one of the great cities of the Roman Empire. It was a byword for immorality. When Christians started there, it was a place where all kind of sensual seekers came there, to that place. And the church that was established there would become the center of the Christian world, bypassing Jerusalem. It wasn't noted for big names, leaders. It was noted for the people there. And there were big names that passed through there, but none of them were really connected with that church. And they had three things. One was evangelism, one was a missionary spirit, and the third was their generosity. Three things about this church. I was telling someone, I told a few of you this, you know, Announcing that I'm retiring has somehow enabled me to see things a little differently. I've backed away, you might say, from the trees to see the forest a little better. And not only, and not so much even about the church as a whole, but about, about me. And I've been able to somehow be a little more objective about myself. And that's not easy to do, and I'm not saying I got it all down. I mean, we're all subjective beings, you know, we're in ourselves. But it's enabled me to perhaps think of perhaps some strengths I might have, but also, and more so, what's revealing is some of the holes in my ministry. Some of the things that are there that I could wish were different and would like to make it different, but it's just basically these aren't my strengths. And there's things, there's possibilities for this church that given the opportunity was for, for somebody with some strengths in these areas is going to make, it's going to catch fire in this church. And so let me just share these three with you. And it's, it's really the three of this church I'd like to talk about. One is in the area of evangelism. They proclaimed the gospel. They shared it with their neighbors. It wasn't the apostles, it said all of them pushed, preached, and witnessed. We got it backwards when we think the preacher has to do all the evangelism. That's backwards. It's the people who do the evangelism. The pastors help equip and train. And they, all of them did it, and it says to all, to everyone, they did not wait on people to become Jews first, but they aggressively went out and began to share the gospel with Gentiles. They were so excited about it. They were telling people it was something very important to them. Do you remember? Do you remember the day that you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior? Think about that day. That day is very important to you. That day is the day that something got lit in your life. That's the day the Holy Spirit came to be with you and in your life. 
That's the story they had to share. It was the story of their coming to Christ. They might say something, here was my life before I met Jesus. You had a life before you met Jesus, even if you were young. They could share how they met Jesus. They could talk about the conviction of sin in their heart and how they knew they needed a Savior. And how they accepted Jesus as Savior by asking Him to forgive them of their sins and come into their hearts and they wanted to follow Him as their Lord. Remember that day. That's what the power you have. And then they could share what difference it's made in their life to have Jesus Christ as their Savior. And they went out into a world that was hungry for that. Hungry for some message of hope. They, uh, they were in a world that was electric with receiving that message. And we have so many people that are wandering in lostness today. Seeking peace in all kinds of things. In materialism. Pleasure seeking things. Sports. Drugs, bottle, the dollar, sex, the latest technologies. Things that are just trying to fill a hole in us that's made only for God. He made us for Himself. He made us for Him to be with us and in us. There's your redemption And the church has an answer. But not if it's majoring on the wrong things. Not if it's majoring on the wrong things. And so as I look at my ministry, I mean, I pursue personal evangelism. And I've sought to do that. But I haven't, I haven't done the best in training. And so, that's something we can really get after. Amen? Don't we want to see people one to the Lord? Amen? That's the route to go. Shepherds don't make sheep. Sheep make sheep. Right? That's the way we are. Something like, y'all figured that one out. The Antioch church was also inordinately generous. They were a giving people. I don't know much about giving. I don't keep up with what's on that board out there. I don't look at the attendance. I don't look at the giving. You know, I'm sure the leaders are shook their heads sometimes. Man, he is so ignorant about what's going on around here. I figure it's between you and the Lord. And that's good enough for me. And I haven't taught much about giving. One reason is, is because growing up in my family, not my immediate family, but my extended family, um, I heard a lot of, a lot of um, cutting at the pastor because he preached about giving. And somehow they had it in their head that he was profiting 
from the ministry. And, and it was one of the harder things for me to do to even accept being in the ministry because of that. I don't want people thinking that somehow I'm out here to make, make money. And in a sense, I've said, you can't pay me actually to do this job. It's not a job you really want for pay. But it's full time, and y'all been blessed. Y'all been a blessing. But I have avoided sometimes talking more about giving than I should have. And I think we're a good giving church. But I don't know that we've been challenged to give. And so um, they were a generous church. They, they were sharing even their monies, their relief, it says, to the needs of foreign people. Giving it to the cause of missions. They were sending out Barnabas and Saul, Paul. They were sending out others to different places. They were there for foreign missions. They were giving. And they also were sharing with the Jerusalem church. This is the big church down south. Undergoing persecution, yes, and the families were in great need. And they gave, it says, generously outside themselves, outside themselves. So, so that's a, I think that's an important matter. Uh, and they were very missionary. And I've tried to support the cause of missions, but I don't know that I've really done a great job at it. And so um, I would just say it's an area I wished I could have done better at uh, than I have as a leader, as a leader. They responded to the need of missions. Now, somebody could have said, well, you know, Gentiles, they have their religion. They don't need our religion. I'm sure somebody did say it. But they didn't see that that way. They saw that this was a, this was a wonderful gift they had received, and they just wanted to be able to give it to others. They found a peace and a joy in a harsh life that they lived. Harsh days, they found it and they wanted their neighbors to know it. And so they were missionary and they were obedient uh, to the Holy Spirit. Um, They found in missions their true heart, their true meaning. Now, I'm, I'm kind of a homebody. I never had a real desire to go overseas. I've been overseas. And I was always planning on how in the world I was going to get back. That was all I ever thought about. So it might have helped me to take another trip or two and just get involved in missions. And so that's something I see as perhaps something that this church will even ever grow greater at. So I see great things, great possibilities, hopes and dreams that will exceed anything else Anything else that's gone on? One of the Chinese missionaries living in a persecuted situation, he said, don't ask that God put an end to persecution. Pray instead that those who are suffering will sense God's presence with them and that he will be glorified glorified through their lives and witness. That's the kind of courage the Holy Spirit gives you heart when you really get close to Him. And so I don't know much what to say. I think, I think there's, 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 we should be prayerful, 
prayerful that God will allow the unity that we enjoy and I'd say the love that we have in this church and the, the ability to affirm people that we have. I think we do have that in this church. But I think, I think it could expand and, and I believe the Lord wants it to expand and it won't be easy. It's never going to be easy. But when God's in it, you know, He can make hard things happen. And we need to let Him work in our lives and in our church's life. Uh, greater zeal for our personal witness. Are you really sharing your faith with other people? Um, think about your neighbors. Start praying for two or three of them. Think about your friends. Start praying. And see if God won't give you an opportunity somehow to speak your testimony to them, how I came to know Jesus Christ. Will you bow with me a moment? Father, uh, as we bow, I guess one question we ought to ask ourselves first of all is, Lord, um, am I saved? Have I really accepted Jesus as my Savior? Do I have a testimony for Jesus in my heart? And so, God, today might be a day to say, Lord, I'm opening my heart to You. To Your Holy Spirit, You're calling me, Lord, to be saved and become a Christian. There may be those of us who are Christians. And maybe the call of our heart to the Lord would be, Lord, I really want to be a witness, a positive witness for Jesus Christ. I want to be able to say to my friends, here's how to become a Christian. Here's my church. Here's a place you can come and you can grow. Lord, we're thankful for those who are here that can affirm and welcome people into the family. So God, we pray. And maybe the need, Lord, is that we be, uh, we shine a brighter light in the future. A missionary light. A light that talks about love that is not measurable. That goes distances and wraps itself even around this world. First through the community in our city and around the world. Lord, help us to see ourselves somewhat more objectively. Perhaps seeing what strengths we have. But also, Lord, those things that could be improved upon. And so we're really looking, Lord, for, to see Your hand at work in our lives, our church. In Jesus' name, amen. Hymn of invitation today is 281. If the Lord's spoken to your heart today and you would like to signify that by walking this aisle, there's a prayer bench right here. There's prayer steps here. You could pray. I'll be glad to pray with you. You could pray with me. Let's stand together as we sing today. Speak.